0: You're listening to the midweek edition of the 1208 podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of the midweek edition of the 1208 podcast. Now, a few things that uh, we should talk about before we jump in. First off, is this. Somebody on Slido, which is a webpage we use on on Sundays, to to ask questions about the message I'm currently preaching, so I can either talk about it at the end of the message or talk about it here on the podcast. Somebody asked this anonymously, said, what is a kaiju? Now, my message on Sunday was about repentance. (laughs) But I'm glad you picked up on the small little joke that I made on the way. Uh, I made a reference to Revelation and just cracked a small joke about how it's full of kaiju. Uh, Kaiju is a Japanese word, Uh, nerds know it well, sci-fi fanatics know it well. It's just giant strange creatures, monsters, beasts, right? So like uh, uh, Godzilla is a kaiju, which really that's the most popular kaiju everybody knows. Or if you've seen uh, American movies that have tried to make their own kaiju, like Pacific Rim or Cloverfield, those are kaiju movies as well. So I was just making a joke, but here's what you've done. I want you to know this, anonymous person. I started talking with my brother about uh, kaiju and how you had asked that question after service. And it led into this, this vast discussion in which, in the end, I decided, you know what? I'm going to start writing a new book. It's not going to be long. It's just going to be another experimental work. uh, And it's just going to be a fun little work on the kaiju of the Bible. Because throughout the Bible, you see Leviathan, the beast, you know, all these things. And I'm like, it would be fun. Just write a small book. What are these? Are they metaphors? Are they beasts? Are they real? So anyways, I'm working on that book and it's all your fault. So there's that thing. Now here's the next thing. Uh, we are about to talk to my friend and a fellow worker in the Southern Michigan Conference of the Free Methodist Church, otherwise known as the SMC-FMC, uh, Kevin Eccles. Now, Kevin and I uh, grew up together at uh, a camp, so we used to play Foursquare all the time together, um, but we also went to Spring Arbor University together. Really only shared one class there, um, but uh, yeah, so we've got a little bit of history Kevin, though, while he is a pastor in the SMC-FMC, he is also a scientist, uh, and uh, I forget what exact field he works in. Again, there's so many subgenres in, in science, um, but I do remember I, I called him up uh, a few months ago. I had a question on science, and I was looking for a perfect analogy as to what I was going to say and uh, he was the guy to talk to. So he he's like, actually, that's exactly in my field. And uh, again, I don't remember what the field was. Um, but some of the things he was talking to me about was evolution. And so I was like, hey, we just finished up uh, Genesis 1, which is more or less, you know, the story of, of creation as the Bible tells it. And uh, a lot of people have questions today as to what do we do with things like evolution is that real? Is that in Christianity compatible at all? Uh, So that uh, is the question we're going to talk about today. And, uh, you know, I know everybody comes from a different place on this subject. Some people uh, feel triggered by the very conversation. And I want to read, before we get Kevin on the line, I want to read something to you from St. Augustine way back in the day, centuries, centuries, is that the right word? yeah, that's 100 years, right? Yeah, centuries ago, St. Augustine <laughs> wrote a uh, uh, commentary on Genesis, and in it, well, he's not talking about evolution because they didn't have that uh, ideology around yet, uh, he, he kind of scolds Christians for not being more open to other ideas of how God may have made creation outside of taking the Genesis account literally as it stands. So, I thought just kind of looking at the uh, uh, this quote from hundreds of years ago would be a, a really good start, um, 1,500 years ago, would be a really good start to just get our minds open to the possibility from an early church father speaking on the subject. Here's what he says. Usually, even a non-Christian knows something about the earth, the heavens, and other elements of this world about the motion and orbit of the stars, and even their size and relative positions, about the predictable eclipses of the sun and moon, the cycles of the years and the seasons, about the kinds of animals, shrubs, stones, and so forth, and this knowledge he hold to as being certain from reason and experience. Now it is a disgraceful and dangerous thing for an infidel to hear a Christian, presumably giving the meaning of Holy Scripture, talking nonsense on these topics and we should take all means to prevent such an embarrassing situation in which people show up vast ignorance in a Christian and laugh it to scorn. The shame is not so much that an ignorant individual is derided, but that people outside the household of faith think our sacred writers held such opinions, and, to the great loss of those whose salvation we toil, the writers of our scripture are criticized and rejected as unlearned men. If they find a Christian mistaken in a field which they themselves know well and hear him maintaining his foolish opinions about our books, how are they going to believe those books in matters concerning the resurrection of the dead, the hope of eternal life, and the kingdom of heaven, when they think their pages are full of falsehoods on facts which they themselves have learnt from experience and the light of reason? Reckless and incompetent expounders of Holy Scripture bring untold trouble and sorrow on the wiser brethren when they are caught in one of their mischievous false opinions and are taken to task by those who are not bound by the authority of our sacred books. For then, to defend their utterly foolish and obviously untrue statements, they will try to call upon Holy Scripture for proof and even recite from memory many passages which they think support their position, although they understand neither what they say nor the things about which they make assertion. Okay, so that right there is Augustine, 1,500 years ago, saying some pretty intense things about how Christians need to uh, be more open on topics of of really science uh, when people come to us with facts and reasons rather than try to... Um, you know, like, for example, the earth is flat, right? That's kind of something that you see in the Bible. Uh, so he might be talking about things like that. People come to us, they say, no, the earth is round. And we're like, no, it's flat. Uh, and they're like, no, we have from facts and studies. So on subjects like that, uh, I would just take Augustine's conversation here and bring it into the conversation of evolution as well. So uh, from 1,500 years ago into today, let's get Kevin on the line and kind of talk this over uh, as someone who has been able to marry the ideas of being a Christian and an evolutionist. And uh, I'll tell you ahead of time, spoiler alert, it's actually the same for me. So let's jump into the conversation now. All right, so we now have Kevin Eccles on the line. Hey, Kevin. Hello. Now I was just telling everybody, you and I go back, way back. We used to play Foursquare at camp all the time.
1: Hey, that was serious business. There is no joking about Foursquare.
0: It's true. It's true. It is. Except you didn't treat it serious because you always let some kid named Smurf cut in front of everybody. But uh, Only so we could get him out faster. That was the fun. Yeah, but you let him cut every time. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyways, uh, Kevin, we have you on the line because um, you are both a pastor and a scientist, which is kind of a rare breed. Um, uh, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, you usually find that people are... Uh, actually, if anything, you know, some people have a difficult time marrying the two subjects together uh, mm-hmm. to a certain extents, and yet this is your life. You're, a, you're an enigma of sorts to a lot of people. Uh, yeah
1: a lot of people it's a it's a crazy conversation starter they're like wait a minute you you were in biophysics and then you went to become a pastor yeah. you should tell me more about that
0: yeah actually <laughs> why, why don't we start right there because I remember uh, w- once we started having classes together it was because you just just switched over like what your senior year or something <laughs> not even that yeah
1: <laughs> it was later actually well,
0: your super senior year. You're yeah, no, actually like a I, class. I finished as a chemist,
1: like yeah. I took one class, uh, besides like the prereqs that you had to, cause it was spring Arbor and it was a liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. Um, I took one elective class that was a uh, religion class and it was theology of the reformation. And that's cause my wife was in the class and she was cute. And so I thought we should hang out. <laughs> um, and so that's literally the only religion class I took beyond like the intro to gospels and acts that was required. Um, I actually got a year and a half into a biophysics PhD program, uh, working on like RNA kinases and stuff. Um, and then I dropped out to become a pastor. So yeah, no, I got super far into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know right now that was a subgenre. I was trying to remember your, uh, what is your specific position?
1: Yeah, no, I uh, was in a PhD program for, uh, they called it biophysics So it's like studying the super small scale, taking like one molecule at a time and saying, okay, how fast is this molecule going to do this thing? And then we introduce like some sort of drug or something like that and then say, okay, well, how fast is it going to do it now? The idea being if you can slow down what viruses do, um, then you can treat the, treat the illness and you can help people. Um, so I was actually working on HIV trying to prevent it from replicating, uh, which would eventually, you know, if you did it well enough, you could like. Cure AIDS, which would be awesome. Yeah. Um, you didn't that get that
0: far. Did you solve no, it? Yet? No,
1: I did not.
2: Oh, okay.
1: A couple good ideas, but didn't get
0: anywhere. Good, good. Well, so you go from uh, biophysics to um, interest in pastoring. You, your wife became, <laughs> the this, this story is just so strange. Your wife becomes <laughs> oh, a youth yeah. pastor at Monroe Free Methodist. Yes, she does. And then she leaves, and 1208's own Casey Mellinger moves over there, takes that. And then when Casey leaves, suddenly you come back from school, this time having studied pastoring. Yes. (laughs) And your wife (laughs) is no longer the pastor, but now suddenly you're the pastor. And more recently... You guys kind of switched roles, right? So yeah. she's become no. the lead pastor of Monroe, and you're off doing, is it a science related job or just another job?
1: No, not even remotely. Uh, okay. I work customer service for Lazy Boy Incorporated because world headquarters is in Monroe. So there's science. Like half there the town somewhere. Works for sure. <laughs> I'm totally <laughs> using that chemistry degree
0: all the time. Right. right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. So, yeah, Melanie, uh, she was the uh, hired youth leader that got me into ministry to begin with. And so, uh, actually my boss at Wayne state where I was doing my PhD program was super mad at me because I was spending too much time on this whole church thing. And you know, like the church was really getting in the way of me doing lots of research and making him lots of money. Mm. Um, so he basically kind of gave me an ultimatum one day. He's like, Hey, look, you either cut back on this church thing or, uh, you basically, you have to cut back on the searching if you want to continue in the program or I'm going to make your life really hard. And he can totally do that because that's the way academia works. If you work in somebody's lab, they can make your life really easy and awesome or they can make it a living hell. And, um,
2: sounds like fun.
1: Yeah, no, it's kind of awful. Um, so I kind of like called my wife and actually funny story. I forgot my phone that day. So I had to log into AOL instant messenger express in the <laughs> computer lab and I had to contact her over that. And uh, and then we actually had the conversation like, hey, do I quit my job and work as an unpaid uh, youth leader at this church that can't afford to pay me anything? Um, because that sounds like a great idea, right? To quit your only paying job and <laughs> make no money. Sure. And she, the, the crazy thing is she said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. We should totally <laughs> do that. And so over AOL Express, um, we, uh, we decided I should quit my job and I've uh, been in the ministry ever since. All right, awesome
0: well yeah there's a there's a unique story for you in fact, uh listeners, you might have to rewind and listen to that one over a few times before, <laughs> you, before you fully understand uh, sure, yeah. now um here's one of the things that's always been interesting to me uh out of uh, many of the kind of revamped churches in our conference, you guys are uh a little bit more liturgical in nature. Would that be a good way to describe it? Yeah, no,
1: liturgy is a huge part of what we do every Sunday.
0: Yeah, so not like old school, that's not the word I'm looking for, but like uh it's it's a lot more younger people younger than you would think for liturgical mm-hmm. people coming together and uh, uh kind of practicing some more older ways of going through things. And mm-hmm. w- what was very interesting to me is uh you were telling me very early on, I think you were actually telling the whole conference at a meeting that we had Um, Just about how, you know, you had preached on evolution from the stage, uh, which (laughs) I have learned. uh, Actually, our church has handled it very, very well. Um, But throughout my life, I learned was (laughs) a no-no or that we couldn't marry these two things together. Uh, And so here I am thinking of a church practicing ancient ways and talking about evolution at the same time and people being cool (laughs) with it. Uh, Tell me a little bit about that process. How would that work for you?
1: Yeah, well, it, it's funny, like I, Melanie and I have totally different ways of doing the whole ministry thing. Like we had just have completely different personalities, different skill sets, different, different everything. So for the first four years when I was uh, the senior pastor before she took over, um, I, I'm really good at saying no. um and uh, so like i tend to be the one who's like okay that thing right there that's harmful we need to like find a way of pulling that out and uh, that'll make us healthy right Mm -hmm. um so like hey look we we have a problem with gossip we need to talk about you know how to be more wholesome in the way we speak and be more edifying you know so like let's let's work on that for a while um so like decorating wise like from the sunday before i got to the church and the sunday after we took down like every decoration in the place, Hmm. Um, like all the banners, all the signs, like everything, like they walked in and the whole platform was empty. There was a podium with a microphone and there was a keyboard and a microphone. And that was like it, right? Like in the entire sanctuary. Hmm. Um, And our, our theory was like, look, you know, there are a lot of things that can be distracting about church. And so in being liturgical, what our goal was to kind of do the whole throw off everything that hinders thing. Cause sometimes when you get to church on Sunday morning, there's a bunch of stuff that you think you've got to do that you don't actually have to do. Mm -hmm. Um, like children's church, we just didn't have it for two years. Um, nursery didn't exist for the first year. Um, and ironically, like our church was growing in younger people during that time um with absolutely no programs to offer no midweek bible studies for kids no teen ministry beyond like what a couple friends were running um which was really small and like it it wasn't a huge deal right um it was just a bunch of people getting together and we're going to talk about the bible somehow you know um but that's always been my my mantra even as a youth leader was okay you're never going to be more fun than the teens xbox so <laughs> don't try
0: You know, like,
1: personally speaking, if I want to have fun, I'm not going to go to a Bible study. I'm going to pull out my Switch and play Smash Brothers Ultimate, right? Like, there's just not really a competition for fun there. And so instead, what you have to be doing is you have to be valuable. You have to to actually change lives. Otherwise, you're kind of useless. Um, And so we believe that's what the liturgy does, is in coming together and saying, okay, look, We're going to kick it old school we're going to read an old testament a new testament a gospel and a psalm every single sunday and we're going to do communion every single sunday and we're going to do you know baptisms all the live long day and we're going to offer infant baptism and we're going to talk about all these like ancient faith-based things of the church we're going to do a time of call and response prayer we're going to do a, a responsive readings you know like and what we started to notice was the more people got involved in the liturgy and the call and response and the reading together, the more they sang when we did our music.
2: Hmm.
1: And it became less of a, like, hey, look, we're up here and we do music really well because Melanie's great at it. Um, and, like, people kind of watched and were, like, engaged. But then we started doing more and more liturgy and then people started, like, being like, this is my thing. I'm going to sing this song. This is my song. um. And it's that kind of like—it was this cool transition to see how liturgy was able to bring people into not even just owning and being like, I like that, but to be able to say, I'm a part of this, and this is what I do. I'm doing church. I'm not going to church.
0: Yeah, that's good. And that's uh, that's part of where I find the enigma in it all is ancient practices with very (laughs) new— (laughs) <laughs> in comparison, very new conversations, you know. Yeah, you just sure. usually think people who might be attracted to more ancient type stuff would be opposed to getting into conversations like, uh, can we look at Genesis in another light than, <laughs> than how it is? So, um, For sure, when you jumped into that, uh, uh how, how was that received? I. <sighs>
1: I'll be honest, I kind of used it as a litmus test for who in the congregation was really safe.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. um, I kind of have, you know, I, I have a pretty thick skin, right? Like people can make some sort of personal attack and I go, okay, well, okay, you're going through some stuff here. Clearly, this is about something more than just I upset you by my sermon last Sunday. You know, like, and I may not be able to actually address that with the person, but I'm able to kind of dissociate and i don't have to like let it redefine me you know what i mean
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um and so in addressing those hard issues i figured i would rather identify those people who are going to go out of their way to kind of do the whole gossipy slandery oh my gosh can you believe that they did this kind of conversations and i wanted them to be pulled out in the open by something i did Mm
2: -hmm.
1: rather than allowed to kind of lurk in the background and drive people away who are seeking God. Um, So it may not be a very well advised, (laughs) but I kind of just went into it with the attitude of, I'm going to do what I feel like I need to do. I'm going to speak the truth that I think that God is asking me to speak. And I'm not really going to dress it up or hide it very well, because I don't really want to. (laughs) Um, And I just want to have the conversation with anyone who's willing to have the conversation. Um, so there were some people that left, um, believe it or not, we got accused of being too Catholic because we read too much Bible early on. Um, it wasn't in a church, how, we, how dare I know you. it wasn't how we did communion. It wasn't the theology we were teaching. It was literally like, you read too much Bible. I don't know about this. I'm out. Um, and I kind of went, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's See, a witness. I mean, test. like,
1: what am I supposed to say to that? You know, like if you don't want to read the Bible in church, I don't, I don't really know like, I don't really want to adapt to make you like our church, you know, like there are, there are living words of God here. And if you're not interested in that, then I I wish you luck elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like, and so for the first four years, especially, we just kind of held everything very loosely, you know, like we had people who we considered really good friends who were like, Hey, look, I love what you're doing and I love you, but I can't follow you in this. Um,
0: Is that specifically on that topic or just on everything else? It was a little of everything.
1: There wasn't any one issue that like really was make or break for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be honest, the evolution thing was like a blip on the radar. Like I had like one person bring it up to me even. Okay. Like it wasn't even a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is like, I think the reason it wasn't a big deal is because it was like the eighth thing in a row that I made a huge deal about. Mm -hmm. Um, And Like, I wrote a column for our local paper, right? And um, I decided when I went into it, like, I'm going to say what I want to say, and I'm going to say what I want people to know pastors are saying. So I wrote a column about how it's evil and cruel that we allowed children to die when we took them into custody at the border, and that as human beings, we need to do better. And I don't even care about the politics of it. It's just the kids shouldn't die, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, like, I wrote this really, like, angry, incendiary, like, angry prophet kind of column, (laughs) And I'm like, if this is the one that gets me taken off the column, then so be it. But I can't, I can't lead in such a way where I feel like I can't write that,
0: Yeah. Yeah. you know?
1: And um, so that's kind of how I've approached the issues of science and faith and liturgy and modern world and social issues. And it's been about like, look, I, I need to be me. I need to be the person I feel like God is calling and asking me to be. And I need to talk about the things that I think are important to Jesus And if I can't, then there's something wrong with me and there might be something wrong with our community too, but hiding it is going to solve nothing. So let's go.
0: Yeah. Now I'd be curious, you know, like I'd be on the same page with, uh, like what you're talking about in your column. Uh, when I've come to the conversation of evolution in the past, I've, I've kind of come to like, uh, a middle ground where like, uh, I, I understand I'm saying, To some extent, I don't care which way people believe because in the end, we're ultimately on a similar spiritual page where Mm
2: -hmm. as a
0: Christian who believes in evolution, I'm still saying God made us and that he is the creator Mm -hmm. of all things. I'm just saying maybe it wasn't literally the way that it was written down in Genesis and that maybe the writers of Genesis thousands of years ago weren't really thinking from a <laughs> dna standpoint you know right um, right right whereas uh i'm not so forceful as to i need everybody to believe this because in the end if you believe that god created through exactly as it is in genesis or um through a way you know that uh, just kind of like is within the lines of genesis every day equals so many million years or Whatever happens mm-hmm. you know there's different ways people work around that. Uh, sure. I'm not uh, I'm not super concerned with the method because in the end we kind of come to like a, a spiritual conclusion of the same sort. we we still believe God's the creator. We just may have different ideas in the method. So from like a spiritual standpoint i I'm not concerned about it. I think my concern on the topic comes in uh, just in the fact that I feel like a lot of younger people today, Um, part of the reason they don't want to go to church is kind of like an Augustine quote I was reading before we brought you on the air. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they just, they feel like uh, if they can come to a church with facts, like this is what science tells us about things like evolution, and then the church is like, oh, no, that's not real, and just deny all the facts that you might bring up. Like, as Augustine would say, how are they supposed to trust you on with a book about Mm -hmm. spiritual matters if they can't trust you when they bring you reason and logic right to your face and you're just like no it's not that way um and that's where i see the danger is so like to some extent part of my my thing is like even if even if for yourself you you can't get your mind wrapped around the idea of evolution i know that's hard for anyone who grew up the way that i did Where you were told the two are inseparable. You're either a Christian or an evolutionist, you know? Right. It takes some time to break that. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of time to break that thinking because uh, you're told if you flip over, you're not a Christian anymore. You don't believe in God. So, yep. uh, And that's, yeah. And that's part of the reason I think you have a lot of agnostic people today. People have just kind of dropped out of the church. So, like, I think I believe in God, but I was told it can't be the God of Jesus. Uh, because, <laughs> right? Because all the baggage
1: that comes with. As soon as you say yeah. Jesus, people think young Earth creationist who loves guns and votes Republican.
0: Yeah, and they're thinking like they have to fit that mold if if they're gonna right. they're gonna follow him. So mm-hmm. I do see dangers for sure. I I don't like I don't think I haven't sensed that someone's life is completely refigured by coming to a belief that God created us through evolution. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have seen people's lives completely disfigured um by a stern a stern uh push against like we cannot go there we have nothing to do with that uh right. you're you're not a godly person or a Jesus follower if you go there so mm-hmm. uh yeah you, you've you said that you've kind of grown up the same way and kind of seen that as well
1: Oh yeah, like I I read the books as a kid. You know the ones that show the dinosaurs right next to you know next to Job when he's uh-huh. talking about Leviathan, and clearly that's about a dinosaur, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Like and so like you're looking at this and you're thinking, okay, like this is what I've grown up with. Everyone has always told me this, and there are books out there and there are organizations that will claim to say, look, we can prove that a young Earth creation. Let's read the Bible literally. This is exactly what. Uh, a rational person would believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think that Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis are like the worst evangelists on the planet right now. Mm. Um, And that is actually my concern is because when I was in grad school, people were shocked to find out that I was a Christian Mm. because they assumed that to be a Christian, you had to check your brain at the door and you couldn't actually follow evidence. And that's because people like Ken Ham have created a cult of personality where the other guy's facts are wrong because they come from the other guy.
0: Yep. Bill Nye is who you're talking about
2: there.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, like the whole like debate. Like I actually did. Like when I was a youth leader and they Ken Ham and Bill Nye had their debate. I literally took a video of it and <laughs> I told the teens, I'm like, look, we're having a longer youth group tonight. We're watching this thing. And when we're done, we're going to talk about it because I wanted them to be able to intelligently discuss those issues. Right. Yep. Like, and I, my favorite moment of that entire debate between the two of them was when Ken Ham was like, Look, you know, the earth is 6,000 years old. And Bill Nye said, Hey, look, it's a 9,000 year old tree. <laughs> you
0: know, and like,
1: it's. Yeah, just what like, do you say
0: to that? If you... What do you,
1: like, what do you say to that? Like, you fundamentally disagree about what facts are. Mm. You know, and so if you want to believe that a six thousand year old Earth is not only a theological statement, but is also some sort of like rational, provable system of thought that is like kept out of mainstream because there's a some sort of like conspiracy against it. You know, like because that's that's what people will say is, like, look, we've got all this great research. We just can't get it published in peer-reviewed journals because there's a bias against us. You know, like, it's actively building this persecution complex so that, like, well, the reason we're not succeeding, it's not because we don't have evidence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The reason we're succeeding is because people don't like us, Mm -hmm. you know. And so now we're persecuted. We, We have all the answers. It's just that it just... We've become the bad guy in someone else's story, right? And now we get to play the victim card. And it just doesn't work, right? Like, anyone who's tried to publish, like, the process for getting a paper peer reviewed is you literally have to have evidence and research that is so dead on that you can literally send your paper to people with whom you're competing for money and prestige, and they have to sign off that you did everything right. Like, you're sending it to people who have a vested interest in you failing, and only if they can't find something wrong do you get to publish. Mm. There is no room for conspiracy in that. Like, I have never seen people so petty and vicious and, like, self-defeating as academics. When they get together, there is nothing they like more than picking up someone else's research apart and shredding it as useless. Like, <laughs> it is, It is like, the pastime for evidence-based academia, right and so the idea that there's some sort of vast conspiracy to allow this huge area of biological research like evolution kind of like is biology yeah the the two are not separable and the idea that the entire premise of most of the biological field is based on everyone going wink wink nudge nudge now you're initiated we got to keep this lie going but we're going to rip each other to shreds and be super sticklers on everything else like it's just, it's laughable. It's ridiculous.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just, I, I refuse to believe that exists. <laughs> yeah, Because I've been there. It doesn't. Um, and so, I mean, like, you've got evidence, like, you've got arguments like irreducible complexity. Or you've got people who look at the uh, the fossil record and be like, well, the way it stacks up is clearly sedimentary layers based on the great flood. Or we found this fossil here that doesn't belong, so clearly the flood happened. Or, you know, things like that. And like, I get it. There's stuff we can't explain. Every once in a while, you get something that's like, wow, that's really weird. I don't know about that. But I, I'm always willing to trust the guy who's willing to say, I don't know, rather than the guy who says, I know everything because I read it in a book and therefore all of you are wrong.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so where I come down on the whole, like, why is this important to talk about in church or is it, um, if you want to come to me and be like, hey, look, Kevin or Pastor Kevin, or whatever the person is calling me at the moment. When I read Genesis, I see a story of how God made the world. And when I read the rest of the Bible and I add up the numbers, I seem to get about 6,000 years. I believe that God made the world about 6,000 years ago, just as he said he did. And I'm choosing to believe that as a a matter of theology, because that's what I think the Holy Spirit's telling me. You know, I'm going to look at that person and go, God bless you. But you also have to believe then that God made the world to look a heck of a lot older than that. Hmm. And if you're okay with those true truths, awesome, let's go. But where you start to do harm to the witness of the church, and where I start to really take issue and oppose it, is when you start to turn into Ken Ham, and you go from, when I read the Bible, this is what the Holy Spirit tells me about God, and you start to turn it into, when I read the Bible, this is what I know about how everyone else is wrong about science. Yeah. As soon as you cross that line, you have left theology, you have left the church, in my opinion. And now you're just doing some weird mix of history and science, and you're trying to pretend like it works, and you're making a fool of yourself, and you're making a fool of Christ.
0: Yeah, and that's where Augustine eventually ends up, is like, you know, these are the people whose salvation we toil. So when they hear us speaking falsehoods on things that they're like, these are facts, Uh, how— how are they going to come to Christ, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think that's a, a very fair point. Uh, I think there's a lot of other fair points too. You know, I said, I, I'm sure now, uh, now that I've, uh, understood evolution for much longer, I guess if I looked back, I could see a lot of other elements that have changed in my life. For example, there is so much in the Genesis story that is being painted, uh, just from like an ancient world view and the themes in there about order and chaos and mm-hmm. temple and all this. Like I could never see that before um, mm-hmm. because I was just, I'd read it and be like, wow, God's so powerful. He can speak things into existence. And here's a funny thing. I believe that, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I oh, believe absolutely. he can do that. I have no problem believing that, but did he do mm-hmm. it that way or did he choose another way, which is, not less spectacular, but when you look at the details of evolution, it's really like, wow, God is mm-hmm. incredibly smart, you know? So um, now that I've I've been down that road long enough, I can look back and see it more. And I, I know I can see the, like, big changes in my life spiritually from that dimension. Uh, and I know that, uh, like, for me, it was in college where I learned that uh, <laughs> that I – I, it would be okay to be a Christian and believe in evolution. It was in a doctrines class uh, mm-hmm. in which uh, I, I chose. We had to write a paper, and I chose the answer. Everyone, I figured, chose around me. Chose around me. You have to choose the answer that, no, God created it just as the Bible says. That's what I'd always been taught. And when mm-hmm. a doctrines professor who's <laughs> very charismatic in nature and knows the Holy Spirit, it's like, hey, why are we so puffed up with ourselves when christians who are scientists come to us and tell us like hey evolution's real how do we as like pastors or spiritual leaders who are not scientists tell them no you're wrong <laughs> as, yeah. what what kind of pride is that and that began to hmm. that began to wear on me until uh i watched uh neil degrasse tyson's the cosmos Uh, Mm -hmm. I just really like Neil deGrasse Tyson in in general. I I was listening through all his podcasts at the time. I was watching the cosmos. And I'm more visually than ever before seeing how this stuff works. And as someone who's not a scientist, I'm starting to get very interested in science. So in the same way, I went through like a charismatic phase and got very interested in the supernatural ways in which God works. Now I was finding myself on... The exact opposite, getting very interested in the natural of how God works and coming out the other side as an enigma of, you know, uh, someone who believes in spiritual gifts to a pretty high extreme and someone who Mm -hmm. who believes in uh, evolution at the same time. And so I feel I I think you and I have some things in common where there's characters (laughs) painted of us. And then you go up to one person, they think you're a liberal. You go up to another person, they think you're a conservative. And it's just, uh, you have to be someone who's kind of fighting between the lines. Um, Mm -hmm. I do know, uh, I I went on from that point, and this was kind of weird. I had a dream one night that I wrote a book about, (laughs) just to to add to my ridiculousness picture of my character here, uh, that I wrote a book about aliens. And at the time I had been... uh, writing uh i've been reading you know c.s lewis's sci-fi trilogy mm-hmm. uh, i had always had thoughts in my head about could god have made other beings out there are we the only thing uh and and in this dream i like crafted the whole book and i've been listening to all this science stuff and reading science books for a good few years now and i woke up and over the course of like the next three weeks i wrote this short 120 page book or so uh And then, and as as crazy as the theme sounds, a lot of it was really more about, look, the Bible doesn't say these kinds of things. Let's just look at how we can kind of sort out science and Christianity and see what room it leaves for these kind of conversations. So Mm -hmm. that book just found itself naturally getting into evolution. Well, if God created us through evolution, could he do that somewhere else? does it have to be the same exact elements or can he work within the guise of what's there? Since, you know, fish are not humans and fish can live in the sea, but we can't live in the sea. That shows diversity of life on one planet. Could there be diversity of life on another planet? So anyways, uh, this book just kind of became me spewing out all of this science stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what was weird about it is like an emptying of me when I was done. Like, I didn't listen to a whole lot more science podcasts, read any more science articles. <laughs> I don't, you know. I just went from this dream about it to writing it to suddenly like I'd finally sorted out in myself a lot of stuff that I was working through. Mm-hmm. Um, where I, it's still good for me to learn these things, of course. But I've, I at least feel like I have a core. Uh, understanding of how I can read my Bible in all different kinds of phases and ways. I know that's kind of just a long story, being spewed out there. But uh, yeah, no, it makes sense though. I mean, because yeah. you got to be
1: curious, mm-hmm. you know. And like, and I think at its core, science at its best is a pursuit of truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, it's like piece by piece, block by block, tiny little detail by tiny little detail. Can we prove one step at a time how the world works? Yeah. Right? Like you read the majority of scientific papers and it's like two out of every three of them are saying, hey, look, this other guy did this experiment. I wonder if we can replicate it. Here's what went differently when we did it. I wonder why. And then everyone goes, ooh, that's really interesting. And like you end up with like five years worth of research in an entire little mini field focused on like this one experiment and why it came out differently two times in a row. (laughs) Like... Yeah. You know, like, and so you, you've got to be fascinated by tiny little details. Otherwise, you won't survive being a scientist.
0: Yeah. I and like I think that, in the
1: same so. way, if if we wanted to have like a good spiritual life, you can't always be like, I need to know the mysteries of the cot. Like you can't <laughs> always look big picture, right? Yeah. Like sometimes you've got to like walk into a room and go, that person over there in the corner is really thinking hard about something. I wonder what's going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you have this incredibly deep conversation because they're like, "Hey, look, I'm making this tiny little decision in my life, but it's got me really thinking about this, you know." And so, like two hours later, you find yourself kind of waking up and going, "Wow, that was that was deep. I I learned something about me. I learned something about them, and I learned something about God just there. Yeah, you know, like." so it's, it's this endless fascination and pursuit of little truths,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And so, you know, it's come full circle. Like that's, that's kind of like the liturgy for me too. Like I can't always just go straight for the resurrection and preach the resurrection every Sunday. Like I know there are preachers who have done that and there are really good preachers who do that. But like, for me, I like the lectionary. I like the liturgy because it pulls me into places that I wouldn't have gone otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I read Psalm 72. I read Psalm 40 on a Sunday that I wouldn't have otherwise read it. And I go, okay, how long are we waiting for God? Yeah. You know, and there's someone in our church who's been waiting and they're sitting there too. And then we get to have this conversation back and forth about, you know, what is it like to wait for God? What are you waiting for? Is it different to wait for good things versus bad things? And like you can have this whole like microcosm where your church is just talking about waiting for a month, Hmm. you know? And it's like there's depth there, you know. And when you come back and you talk about waiting a year from now, different people will be waiting for different things. And they can just talk about it all over again.
0: Yeah, that's good. And uh, one of the things I was thinking while you were talking is uh, really, for me, the pursuit of science has been a pursuit of God. Uh, This is one of the heresies I had to face in my own life is (laughs) if I separate science as though it's a different being outside of God, then I have to say something else made science and it wasn't God, you know? yeah. Uh, Which is to say that God didn't create, which doesn't make any sense in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I I found like chasing after science, it often teaches me things about God, but I find it's a pursuit of God, too. And I think people throughout the ages have uh, last week, me and Aaron were talking about you know, you got the father of geneticists, uh, of genetics who was, what, a Catholic priest or an Abba. Uh, mm-hmm. you've got, uh, Father Lemaitre who seemed to figure out the Big Bang before other people tried to tell Einstein and he didn't listen, you know. Um, <laughs> so you've, you've got these, uh, little stories of people throughout history who, in pursuit of God, have discovered amazing things that Christians often would not take credit for or turn down, um, but for them, it was chasing after God. And there's always mm-hmm. little things you learn, like the cosmic calendar idea where if you take, you know, the, from the beginning of creation to now, like we've been alive for like a millisecond, you know, mm-hmm. if we were on a calendar and like, for me, like looking back over that, it's just like a testimony of God's patience. Wow. How does mm-hmm. he put up with me every day? Well, I've hardly been around at all, you know, so things <laughs> like that just kind of sure. point things in perspective and and God has ways of kind of illuminating the world by his Holy Spirit just as he does with our Bibles so mm-hmm. for me it's Absolutely. uh yeah it's been a lot of learning uh, I just know kind of same page that you were talking about when the things get separated and you have to be one or the other a Christian or a scientist a Christian or an evolutionist um, it does create a depressing state I do know, when I was finally coming to full terms with it as I was kind of reading through a lot of science and watching the cosmos like I remember writing a song during that time and the song ended up being one of my favorite lyrics that I've ever written Uh, and it ended up just being about how we should love instead of hate but like (laughs) how the song starts out the the song was actually about uh, the depression I was feeling now that I believed in evolution (laughs) because Mm -hmm. everyone who believed in evolution was teaching me there is no God. And the Christians were telling me, if you believe that way, then you believe there is no God. And so Mm -hmm. here I am trying to deal with this as an adult. Like I believe in you, God, but I'm also told that I can't. And so like the words just start coming out. Like, does anybody feel there's more than this (laughs) and a hollow, shallow life of emptiness. So Like it went from this song about how I was feeling depressed about believing in evolution and God and then growing into something else. But that's I I felt a pretty strong weight of what I think a lot of people feel. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't come out of because the church doesn't allow them to.
1: Right. Well, I think, too, that the one of the best things to come of being in a place or a community where differences are okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: is that you actually get time and space to explore it yeah you know like when i was growing up like you know harry potter's awful don't don't read harry potter um you know like the sci-fi movies that i i love to watch or the books that i love to read were like sort of tolerated you know um and it's like but i wanted to see what was out there you know like i, I wanted to know like i felt like okay there's God's gotta be bigger than this little corner that I'm in right now.
2: Yeah.
1: God's gotta be God of over there too. I wanna go over there and see what God is like from over there. Um, and so for me, like, are, is God the God of Pentecostal churches? Well, of course he is. Is God the God of like stodgy mainline Protestant churches? Yes, of course he is. You know, like, so let's, let's find all of these like extremes and let's accept that God is the God of these extremes on both ends in the middle and everywhere else, you know, like, and so I, I believe that Ken Ham is a nice guy, you know, like I think he's a terrible evangelist, but I think he thinks he's doing God's work and, you know, God bless him for it. You know, like I just, I I wish that he believed that there were
0: more. Yeah. because,
1: Yeah, like it's just, it's brought so much to me personally to be able to say, yes, I can walk into my science class and believe that my science class is going to lead me to God. I can investigate forward and backward kinetic reaction rates and the dimerization initiation sequence of HIV, and that's going to lead me to God. I can talk with my friends on Sunday morning and talk about God and where we see God throughout the week, and that leads me to God. You know, like every moment, if we let it, can lead us to God. And I... Grieve for people who don't believe that. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and that's... I think that's, you know, in the end why why we even have this podcast episode is uh, it needs to be talked about and uh, it's for reasons like that and I think the only sad piece I would say about this podcast episode is that it's so much easier to be open on a podcast episode than it is... (laughs) <laughs> sometimes inside of a church in fact that's what i found for a lot of podca- christian podcasts out there is more or less like here's a here's the things that we've always wanted to say but for some reason in a church building <laughs> we can't talk about it so we made mm-hmm. a podcast um but yeah i i think it's an important conversation to have and i think we can appreciate uh us having the ability to do it before we create some new kind of war in fact i was really amazed that uh I felt like little to nothing happened. Um, you ever hear that Hillsong song, So Will I? It's uh, it's a, I'll be honest, I am terrible at keeping up with CCM. <laughs> it's all right, we don't even call it CCM anymore, so that's how we don't. Far be, no, we <laughs> uh, all right, that was another book I was, I was writing that I decided to set aside because I was too bitter in it, but uh,
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, I'll be honest, Jamin. I don't know half the songs you sent me for that set list we're playing.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I keep up with it way too much, so I understand. Um, but right. uh, Hillsong released a song that kind of got out there pretty well. But like, it's about creation, but it talks about God evolving us into into you know humans. So uh, it really took off in churches, and I was just surprised. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't hear more angry words about it. So I don't know if that means we're coming around to being able to have a conversation because I at least didn't think it would go from not being talked about in church to everyone singing it in a song and not raising an eyebrow. So uh, huh. either way, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Maybe we don't actually pay attention to the lyrics we sing in church. <laughs> it's, it's possible too. Uh, yeah, I that. <laughs> All I know is I was like, huh, that, that one is not, that's going to create a problem. And then I heard just a tiny blip of a problem in comparison to what I thought it would be. So mm. I don't know if that just means like the church is kind of shifting in these conversations or if it's opening the door for conversations or what. All I know is in the end, I appreciate people like you who uh, can endorse the the ability to be a scientist and a pastor and show the rest of us how that works out. So I have no idea
1: how to do it any other way. <laughs>
0: I think that's a <laughs> that's a good quote right there. That's the one going on the t shirt. So All right, cool. Cool. All right. Well, uh anything else that uh you want to hit on before we let you go? No,
1: I think we've uh we've nailed it. I we've mean if you wanna go point by point with problems. Ken Ham, I don't really
0: wanna I don't wanna go yeah, there. You know, <laughs> no. You're, that's all you if you you wanna do that. Yeah. You know. No, no, not even a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Kevin, thanks for uh talking with us today no thanks for having me it was great and with that we will close out another midweek edition of the 1208 podcast Uh, but hey just uh, before we go uh, I mentioned another song that I wrote uh, which started out about evolution and then evolved into something else if you will I'll share it with you here right now uh, just to give you some food for thought as you close out uh, another episode and we will catch you next time
3: Does anybody feel there's more than this Than a hollow, shallow life of emptiness As my heart, it claims that we were born for love To color in the world with every touch And I know that can't find